Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kidshenu B'Mitzvotav Etzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, I want to address what I think is an interesting and also very useful uh, question. It's how do we put a value on something? And this question is mentioned in two obscure verses in this week's Torah portion. So if you're reading tonight in your scriptures, and if you're participating as well in uh, the comments section in Facebook, you can put the scripture references there. And then you can also cut and paste uh, different parts from the scriptures and share those with other people who are participating live and also those who are participating later. So we're looking at Leviticus chapter 27, verses 12 and verse 14. So verse 12 says this, and the Kohen, the, the priest, is to set a value on it in relationship to its good and its bad points. The value set by the Kohen will stand. And then verse 14 mentions something similar, slightly different detail. When a person consecrates his house to be holy to the Lord, the Kohen is to set a value on it in relation to its good and its bad points. The value set by the Kohen, the priest, will stand. So the point that I want to emphasize and underline right now is this statement in relation to its good and its bad points, in relationship to its good and its bad points. So the priest is to consider the good and the bad points. And when you think about this, it's a useful instruction when we're trying to determine how to value something. How do we evaluate? We look at both sides. We assess the strengths and the weaknesses, the positives and the negatives, the virtues and the deficiencies. Now, personally, I've made some bad decisions when I only looked at the good points or the good side of something because it minimizes the bad points. It effectively reckons them as having zero bad points. Now, if you know me well, you know that my Hebrew name, David ben Beryl Halevi, David, son of Beryl, the Levite, um, we Levites have to learn this lesson. We have to look at the positive and the negative. And I want to emphasize this today because it can be very useful to all of us, not just the Levites, not just the Kohenim, but to everyone who wants wisdom and wants to learn how to have a more effective life. So we'll look at this principle a few different ways. First, here's an example of thinking about only the good part of the good old days. It's in Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. Numbers 11, verses 4 through 6. And it says, The mixed multitude with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost. And also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. 
But now we've lost our appetites. We never see anything but this manna. That was their complaint. Oh, the good old days. That's what they were referring to. Free fish, delicious cucumbers, wonderful melons and leeks, onions and garlic. That type of thinking ignored the terrible parts of their life in Egypt, the slavery, the cruelty, the violence against the children. And it's also a problem that when we focus only on the bad side, and that's what happened to the children of Israel at another moment. It's in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 and following. It says, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud, and all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness already. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? It was the promised land they were referring to. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So here's an example where the people only saw the bad about the present and the future situation. It was in reference to the difficulties that they might face, the challenges that they would face as they went into the promised land because of the report from some of the spies. They were discouraged as they focused only on that. Seeing only the bad, can cause people to give up before they even get started. It causes people to forget even the vision for the future. And these are just two examples of the way one-sided thinking can defeat us. And that phrase, one-sided thinking, is what I would ask a few of you to put in the comments section. One-sided thinking can defeat us. The priests were told, the Kohanim were told to Look at both sides, the positive and the negative, in order to assess and evaluate correctly. And so it's important to, to not be trapped by the limitations that one-sided thinking can give us. Now, I want to shift gears just a bit, and I hope that you can follow with me as we do. When we're making assessments and evaluations, we often need to look at a number of factors, not just one. Now, I'll give an example from an experience that Sandy and I had years ago when we were in Israel and we were traveling around visiting many different Messianic congregations and leaders. And again and again, we heard something that was like this. We found the key. It's all about. And then they said one thing. So it's all about this one thing. It's all about worship, one group said. We found the key. It's all about worship. Or another said, it's all about prayer. And then another said, it's all about 24-hour prayer. Others said, it's all about faith. And again, and again, we heard this kind of opinion. It's all about just one thing. And what Sandy and I realized, and we try to keep remembering this, is there were in fact many different things that were mentioned and all of them had value. And we thought it was a mistake 
to have that one-sided thinking that said there's one key and there's only one key. Worship, as an example. Yes, worship is important, but we don't worship worship and we don't say worship is the key. Worship is important. Prayer, yes, it's important, but it's not the only key. Faith, yes, also. Jewishness, yes. Jewish traditions, yes. Shabbat, yes. Holidays, yes. Study, yes. Fellowship, yes. Hospitality, yes. Acts of mercy, yes. Authority, yes. Leadership, yes. All of these and more are important, we believe. And by the way, the list I just ran through, it's not exhaustive. One of the distinctives at Beth Israel is that we want all these different qualities and more to be included and emphasized in our vision and our direction. Now, of course, it's easier to be a one-trick pony, to do one thing well. And, and that's okay sometimes and for some situations, but for Beth Israel, we want more than that. Now, here's another example where one-sided thinking is incomplete. Yeshua was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And when he answered, you probably know that he gave two commandments. The first, to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And the second, to love your neighbor as yourself. The two go together, he said. Some, however, now this is my comment, not Yeshua's comment. Some will say, it's all about the Lord. That's the key. It's all about him. And, and people will nod their heads and smile in agreement because you know what? That sounds very ooh, strong, doesn't it? It's all about the Lord. But that's not the answer Yeshua gave. He said, it's about the Lord and about people. Loving the Lord and loving people. You see, the two sides go together. That was Yeshua's point. It's not one or the other, it's both. They go together. Now, here's another example. Some will say it's all about faith. Faith alone, that's the key. But the New Testament scriptures give a different answer. In James or Yaakov chapter 2, verse 18 to 24, let's turn there or flip there or however you get there using your digital Bibles and all the resources that you have. James chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. Someone will say, this is verse 18, someone will say, you have faith, I have have deeds. That's what James quotes. And then he says, show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. And he goes on, you believe that there's one God. Good, fine. Even demons believe that and shudder. Verse 20, you foolish person or you naive person or even you simpleton, that might be a way of capturing it. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Verse 21, 
Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him or credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Now, this is an example. We're finished reading from uh, James or Yaakov. <coughs> Let me take a sip of my nice tea. Nice green tea. This is an example of two parts that are needed, faith and actions, faith and deeds. Verse 22, his faith and his actions were working together. This phrase, working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. This, this two-word phrase, made complete. And then this other statement, the scripture was fulfilled fulfilled that means to be filled up or to be filled full you see the faith and the actions together the faith being made complete by what he does it's not one thing alone because it's not an either or it's not either faith or action no it's both it's an and statement now this can really help couples. This idea of embracing not one-sided, but the two sides of a situation when you're making an evaluation. This can really help not only theologians or people who are trying to figure out the essence of this life with Yeshua, but it can help married couples in a very practical way, especially where one tends to see the positive and the other tends to see the negative. What do we do? We acknowledge this, both points of view are needed. How many times have I made the mistake myself of choosing to look only at the positive and to ignore the negative? How many times? Oi, that's what I can say. All God's people maybe can say, oi, if you've made that same kind of mistake, you can join me in saying, oi. You see, when we're one-sided, when we only look at the positive and we don't look at the negative, or we only look at the negative and we don't look at the positive, when we're one-sided, when we separate things that are meant to work together in order to get a full evaluation and to have a more complete life and a more fulfilled life, when we're only one-sided, we are not going to get all the benefits that God has for us. Now, let's consider one more example, and it's a good one. It's very practical. It has to do with buildings, in particular, our buildings, the buildings of the synagogue, Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue. And some of you might have this reaction. You might think that buildings are not spiritual. 
Spiritual things are spiritual, is what you might say. Physical things are only physical, and spiritual things are only spiritual. But the Lord said to Moses, Make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And he also spoke that same word, that scripture, he spoke into Sandy's heart and Sandy's understanding. He said this to Sandy, make, you make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. You see, God gave vision to build a sanctuary, the one that he wanted. And it would be a physical place for him to dwell with his people. And the physical and the spiritual would work together. So the design, the details the Lord gave, were part of the vision. Design, architecture, buildings, these also can be spiritual things. And let that be an encouragement to all the architects who, who are watching or listening by podcast, to all the designers who are with us and participating, to all the builders and people in construction. Your work is physical, but it can also have a spiritual element to it. And when you're doing spiritual and practical things together, you know what, it can be really powerful. So I want you to think about this. It's not just all about worship. It's not just all about prayer. It's not just all about faith. Even buildings are important, even sanctuaries are important. So the Lord gave Rebbitz and Sandy some vision. And this is one thing that I've learned, and she knows about herself. She sees things. The Lord will show her things, and she'll get understanding from what she sees. She had a vision, I would call it that. It wasn't necessarily supernatural, but it produced initiative and action. It released faith into her. And she initiated a trip to Budapest and to Holland for a group of us in 2017, a group of 13 of us from Beth Israel. And we went together to see some places that Sandy knew would inspire the people and envision the group for our future synagogue. And the people who went on this trip were able to get a glimpse for themselves of what Sandy had seen during the times that we lived in Budapest and during the times that we were visiting or ministering in Holland. And the people who went on this trip actually were able to see things that would be useful. They saw some of the elements and the features that Sandy had recognized were important uh, and would be important for our future synagogue. How to use water or the presence of water as a feature. Expanses of glass and windows. And at that time, Beth Israel Sanctuary was without windows or natural light. And for several years, Sandy and a team of us had been looking for a new space where we could move the congregation to, but we didn't find it. Now, if you're a newcomer to Beth Israel, you should know something. Many people in the past, from the Beth Jacob days and onward, have made this synagogue possible. 
without those from the past, those who continue to build, those who helped get things going and established, those who have joined in without all of those folks from the Beth Jacob days and from the Beth Israel days, it would not have been possible to get to where we are now. People have given generously and sacrificially. They've served in so many ways. A lot of people have contributed financially a lot of money. And it's important for us to honor and to appreciate all those from the earliest days who did their part. And we can say thank you, friends, for your faithfulness and for your generosity. And, and back to the story, at the end of our search for property, most of us were ready to give up. We were looking at the last property, which was what someone called the best of the worst. And we had looked carefully at it and figured out what it would take to make it into a Beth Israel place, how much money, how much effort and so forth, and what we would get for it. And when we looked at that and we waited out, it didn't make sense to put that kind of effort into that place. It wasn't worth it when we looked at the good and the bad. Well, the only one who didn't give up really was Rabbits and Sandy, and she was going on this very important combination of vision and faith and hard work together. And by that point, by the end of that, um, looking at that last property, I was out of steam, honestly, but she was still going strong. And she kept talking to the owner's representative, Dan Santinga, who she had connected with in a very important way. And she pulled out of him that there was yet one more property that we hadn't seen and that he hadn't even considered. And you know what? It, this didn't happen until it came out that Dan had a Dutch family background. And Sandy said, oh, we love the Dutch. And she was talking about the Netherlands and people from Holland and how much uh, we we had learned from them and, and gleaned from them and how important the people were. And that connection was different than the connection I had or anybody else had. But because of that and because her faith was working and her vision was working and she was still ready to do hard work, we headed out to see that one more property that had never been considered and never had been brought up as even being available. Now, Eric Painter and Brian Stone drove up to that property and they saw it and they said, this is it. You see, they had been on the visionary trip to Budapest and to Holland, they had seen a retreat center called De Braun, that's Dutch for the source, when they were on that trip that Sandy had organized that the Lord had given her initiative for, and they had joined in on that trip in 2007. And now they saw this property and something clicked. What they had seen in 2007 was now alive to them in 2011. 
the property here, the property that we have now, fit the vision. It was on water, a beautiful lake. It had expanses of glass. In so many ways, it fit the vision, except the condition of the buildings didn't fit it, and there were all sorts of complications. You see, the buildings had strengths and good qualities, but there were also deficiencies that uh, were very limiting. They needed to be fixed, and the question was, could they be fixed? The deficiencies were overwhelming. In some spaces, as an example, weren't occupied, but some spaces in the buildings were already leased and being used. There were three buildings that were connected, and then there was one that was separate. And the three connected buildings were divided into six different spaces. And then that separate building was divided also, and it was divided into two different spaces. An old cafe that uh, hadn't been used for years and a fitness center that was not in use either. But Sandy had vision and she had faith and she understood the work and the action that was needed. And so she even knew how many different rooms we would need in the new synagogue. She had a list. She had been doing the work. She had been keeping track of things for many years, and she knew what spaces would need to be together and which spaces should be separated. And for instance, um, for everyone who's familiar with our sanctuary, it's a beautiful sanctuary now, but it was a hodgepodge of offices and a conference room and two different entrances and foyers and ceilings that were barely eight feet high. And even in the middle of it, there were two bathrooms and a break room. But if you know our sanctuary now, you know. It is a beautiful space with a soaring ceiling, a beautiful ark, a ner tamid that was commissioned just for us, an incredible view onto a beautiful lake. It is a beautiful place. If you had seen the space in its condition when we saw it, you may easily have said, impossible. It's impossible to have something that we would really want. But you see, Sandy had vision and she had some understanding and she had faith and it was working together. It took a lot of work. It really did. It took a lot of money. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. It took a lot of vision. And here's why. It takes effort. It takes vision. It takes cooperation. It takes perseverance to do many things that are complicated. Sandy's vision also was that this, Beth Israel, would be a home place for us. And it's being realized. But since COVID, you know that there's a lot that has to be renewed at Beth Israel. So much of the vision that has guided us needs to be renewed and refreshed. The vision that Sandy had that Beth Israel would be an ark, it's a call to preservation and a call to diversity together. And let me tell you, it takes the vision, it takes the faith, it takes the work, it takes the prayer, it takes the design, it takes the space planning, it takes the money. It takes the generosity. 
It takes the faithfulness. It takes the time. It takes the commitment to Jewish identity and worship. It takes the hard work of Jews and non-Jews learning to love each other and work together for our common good and calling. It takes leadership. It takes initiative. It takes the understanding. It takes the wisdom. It takes the perseverance. It takes it all and more. There's not just one key. There are many important keys. And we have to remember that or we'll never be able to renew and refresh every ministry and every distinctive that makes Beth Israel precious to us all. This remembering is essential to our renewal. We need to know the stories of how we got here. We need to know the stories from our past and from our present if we are going to have a strong future together. If we look at our strengths and our weaknesses and we recognize that looking at both is essential for our assessment and for our effective evaluation, then it will really help us. It will also give us clear thinking too. Well, that's the work that's ahead that Sandy and I are giving ourselves to in this season. And we're calling all of you to that as well. We're calling everyone to participate in this process so that we can renew and we can refresh our vision and the distinctives that make Beth Israel precious and valuable and important to God and to all of us. And so let it be as in days of old that those whose spirits are stirred and those whose hearts are willing will give themselves and give of themselves and serve what we can say is a high calling of renewal. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for the vision that you've given us, for the actions that you call us to take. And we thank you that all these things work together. Give us confidence as we assess and evaluate. Let us renew and refresh the vision that you've given us that we might fulfill together the work you've called us to. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. In a moment, we'll be closing with Aaron's blessing, but first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information is available on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. And let's close with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ye'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasem lecha. Shalom. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you, and may the Lord be gracious to you with all of his favor. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace, his shalom, in the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. So from Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel team,
team and Mishpacha. Thanks for joining us. Hope you can join us tomorrow for our live stream Shabbat service that will be also live from the sanctuary. 